0: When I used to teach children's church years and years ago, one of my favorite stories to teach was this one, the kids. Boy, you just love this. Because we're dealing with young people here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, guys that were willing to, to stand up and, and be different. And uh, matter of fact, the kids usually love to hear this story. And a lot of you know this one inside and out. You know before and behind. You know the rest of the story, if you will. Uh, And I don't know that I'm going to be teaching you anything that you haven't heard before this day, but this is, uh, if nothing else, a reminder to you and I uh, how important it is to understand our God, what he allows us to go through to make us better so that we can be a witness for him. Uh, We've been talking about the potter and the clay and appreciate all the special music today and the one uh, that the Holseys have brought up about God doesn't throw the clay away. He uh, makes us and forms us. And one of the stages of getting that vessel ready is to go through the fire. We talked about this last week, and we talked about the testings and the trials that we go through. In particular, my meltdown last week. I apologize for all the tears, but it was an emotional time for me to remember uh, a, a time in my life when I had to make a choice about my faith in my God, about His Word that was given to me. And it was a turning point in what I, I stood for. And that's what this message is about, is standing up. Standing up for what is right. And knowing that we're going to go through trials and testings, and if you will, walking through the fire is a result of that. Uh, You guys are getting ready to go back to college, you're going to have to stand up and be different. And you will be different. You will be. Uh, Even in Christian education, it's not always that everybody's standing up for God. And what we see here in this text is a remnant, a small group of all of Israel willing to stand up for what was right and not to bow down to an idol. The book of Daniel, as many of you know, is a very prophetic book. This book in in conjunction with the book of Revelation gives us a vast understanding of things that will yet come to pass. The book is broken down. Basically, the first six chapters are what we know the most, and that is the historical chapters. These are the chapters with King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Belshazzar, his son, and then Darius, the king of the Medes, comes in and is also over this kingdom. And that's what we see is, is this time period is when Nebuchadnezzar is still the king. Later on in chapter 5 as well, Bel- where Belshazzar, his son, comes in. And that's the story about the, the, the writing on the wall and the, the destruction of the kingdom under Babylon, and then of course the prophecy is that the Medes, Persians coming in, Medes in particular, and that's Darius, the king of the Medes, that is, that is going to be taking over. And of course that's the story then about the, uh, the lion's den. And so there's the typical storyline as we go. And then when you get into chapter 7, it, he goes actually backwards then, and starts at the beginning in the first year, and begins to give the visions then. And that's when we get lost. That's when we start getting all these visions of beasts, and this and that. You know, so it's like, what do these things uh, all mean? And of course, when you go through seeing the everything from ten horns and the four kings and the little horns, all these different things, there's always one thing that you're going to know for sure. And you know what that is? You're going to find Jesus somewhere. <laughs> Okay. In other words, God's going to talk about all these negativities and the destructions, and this one rising up, and then they're beat up by this guy. But but in chapter seven, I love it. Verse thirteen, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days. There's your phrase, huh? And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages shall serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. His kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. And then over later on in verse 21. Dealing with the tribulation and then the millennial reign, I beheld the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until. Now, there's the end of the trib. There seems to be a dominion over the remnant of Israel, but until then, excuse me, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Guess what? Israel wins. Just, just in case you wanted to know, they win. And so, even though it seems like they're the ones beaten up, down, and out, there will be a day. It says in Revelation, Romans eleven thirty six that all Israel shall be saved. There's going to be the deliverance. And it's because they're going to be trusting in the One. And so, all ungodliness is going to be turned from Jacob, and all those wonderful, wonderful prophecies. And that's a little bit what Daniel is about too. Basics. Of the book of Daniel. And so we're in the storyline of this all. And you say, is there anything prophetic in what we're seeing? I, I think in picture form, there most certainly is some powerful things symbolically. We have Nebuchadnezzar picturing the Antichrist. And we have this one who says, I am going to make an image. And I want everybody to fall down before this image and to worship this image. And if they don't, they're dead. Doesn't that sound like Revelation chapter 13? Keep your finger there and turn back with me. Oh, oh can, can, can you look at a verse, verse, verse chapter 3? Look at verse number 4. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. So you can see how this picture is antichrist over the whole uh, world's system, which is also going to affect the religious system of the day, that there was only one to worship. And that is what Antichrist is all about. One worship. And that all nations are to be coming. All languages coming. And then they are are of course to fall down and to worship that one. Verse 6 read with me. Whoso falls not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Look back at the Revelation 13 with me now. We have the three and a half years, which Daniel also describes 9 and and other places, chapter 9 and others, that there is a certain time period that Israel is not looking forward to. It is that time, as he says, great tribulation, and it is the second three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. You'll see that in chapter 13, verse 5. And then as you you go down further on in this text, uh, let's go ahead and pick up. Verse 11, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Dragon's always a picture of, of Satan. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, cause of the earth, and them that which, which dwell therein, to, here it is, worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. There's that picture of the death and resurrection of the anti. He doeth great wonders, so that he make his fire come down from the heaven, on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. Now, follow me, folks. Satan is a deceiver. He mimics the very things that God is. He wants the same worship that is attributed to God. He wants the same attention, love, adoration, but there's a problem. God is the God of life. He is about death and destruction that's what his very name means and so he is going to mimic during that time period the signs and the wonders for people to begin to believe in him now if rapture were to take place right now and the church is snatched up out of here and you do not have jesus christ in your heart you are not a christian you are here you are left behind and there will be a tribulation period that will soon start after we are snatched away And many believe that that tribulation will begin as soon as the agreement between Israel and the covenant they will be making in in Daniel chapter 9 is fulfilled with the Antichrist. And then that tribulation will be going on and there will be the thoughts of peace. Everything is going to be well. It's going to be okay. We're all going to work in this thing together. And the thing is the deceiver will deceive the multitudes and only a remnant will stay true to the true God drop down if you will to verse 15 of chapter 13 verse 15 he had power to give life under the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak because as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed sound like Nebuchadnezzar if you don't fall down and you don't worship you're going to be destroyed. And the deception is, is further in verse 16. And he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and on their forehead. So this is, of course, that impression, uh, a place upon them, a mark, and as Second Thessalonians 2 deals with a seal that is placed upon them that they will not believe the truth. Instead, they will believe the lie and they will be lost and they will not be recovered. If they take this mark, that's it. There is no recovery. And I'm here to warn you, just like these three men would not bow down and worship and were willing to die for their faith, in God you and I must understand those who do not trust Jesus Christ as their Savior if you go into this tribulation time period you will be given this option you will either take this mark so that you can do the following which is to buy sell to be able to that's where the marketing system comes in under the Antichrist so he's going to be involved with your money He's going to be involved with your religion, and he's going to be involved with your politics. So much of separation of church and state. Because the Antichrist wants to tie it all together, okay? And that's why we as Christians believe our faith ties together with our politics. That's why we vote morally, not for our pocketbook. Right, right. That's right. I'm glad some of you agree with that, okay? But it's true. Some of you are thinking, who's going to give me the most money? Wrong way of thinking, November when you're voting be thinking, who stands up for the right thing? Okay, that's all say politically. PCNBC underscore one at MSN.com if you want to send me your hate mail. (laughs) Verse 16, and he causeth all both, grass. I've read that, verse 17, and that no man might buy or sell save he that has the mark, now notice this, or the name of the beast, or thirdly, the number of his name. You say, there's a number involved? Yeah, it's starting to ring a bell, isn't it? Verse eighteen. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six hundred three score and six, or we would say six six six. You say that's crazy. I hear people talking about that all the time. Oh, it be real. Uh, by the way, it's one of the great opportunities for you to witness when you go to the store. Just try to calculate your what you're going to buy so that it comes up to $6.66 sometime and watch the person taking care of you and they'll say, well, buy something else. You know, please get something. We don't want this number here, you know, 666. How many has that happened to? Me, it happened. So what I do is an opportunity to say, oh, I don't have to worry about 666. I'm out of here already. And they'll say, what are you talking about? I say, I don't have to worry about, I can't take the mark of the beast. I have Christ inside of me. I don't have to worry about those things. Yeah. Opportunities. Let's go back to Daniel now. We've got a lot to cover in 10, 15 minutes. Wow. I'm always running out of time. See, in Haiti, they don't have to worry about time. They don't. They just say, keep on going. They start service, and then a few hours later, they're done. You know, it, I'm serious. I, I, it, Ken taught, he was in uh, India, and he was preaching away, and he was done with his message. And the people just stood there and looked at him or sat there and looked at him and he's like he said do you have any more he said okay so he preached a second message and they still wanted more he preached three messages that Sunday morning because they just were longing for the word so I'll still get you out you'll beat the Methodist to the restaurant okay let's, let's go our, to our text now so these three young men who are in a position of leadership, if you didn't know that. Daniel, as soon as he is elevated, the first thing he did is he surrounded himself with good men, and he appointed these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be in as officers. So Nebuchadnezzar knew him. I mean, them. And, and so there was not an ignorance. And so sure enough, those who opposed the Jews, and that's what you'll see in the last part of verse number 8, there was an accusation against the Jews. And the, so they're trying to set this whole thing up. And let's, let's go ahead and get these Jews. And certain of them, in verse number 12, being those officers, did not bow down when the music started. And sure enough, when you have everybody down, seated, seated, Or bowing down i should say and a few are standing they will stick out by the way christians you and i when we are standing up for christ we will stick out you you don't have to worry about am i being seen you will be seen when you stand up for the lord jesus christ and they are saying some some have asked me the question what happened to daniel you know, why isn't there four men being brought up, getting ready to throw in it? Well, some have, have, have thought, because of his position, uh, where he was at, most likely public Uh, Service he was involved with did not allow him to be at these or he chose not to be at these knowing what was going on for whatever reason let's not think ill of Daniel because trust me he's the good guy in this book okay he gets thrown into the lion's den so let's not start picking on Daniel and thinking oh why wasn't he here I'm sure there was a great reason but what we do learn from this is that these three men made a choice Uh, do you think everybody knew what was going to happen in this service Mm mm-hmm they knew exactly what was going to happen. It was publicized. We're all coming together to worship, worship this image and to show everybody the respect for the king. And so they decided not to keep themselves out of the way, but rather be, be right there in the midst, showing because of their office what they thought was right. They thought because of their office that it was proper proper for them to bear a public testimony against the gross idolatry that was going on a witness to the loss but also a witness to every Jew that was there we will have no other gods before us and that's what you and I have to come to that place we are to have no other gods before us we do not bow down to a man we do not bow down to any kind of an image any kind of a cross any kind of a stone tree that's not who we worship our God is invisible to you and I we worship God he tells us in John in spirit you say God is a spirit they that worship him must worship him in spirit also in what truth not in error so so if you're trying to worship God and it goes against the scriptures you're wrong you can't worship God in error. It has to be lined up with the Word of God and that's what these men are doing they know God says no other image no other God don't bow before them so they were prepared before it took place how they were going to react the verse that we learned this weekend is found in first Peter chapter 3 and it is be ready Christians we are to be ready before we go into the fire, before we go into the tribulation and trials of our lives, there has to be a prepared mind and heart. Let's look at that text, verse Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3:15. But sanctify the Lord God whereat. Okay. We're not just talking about thinking about God. But rather a separation in the invisible part of us where our convictions and our belief is seated. What the heart man believes unto righteousness. Okay? So it starts inside of here, not just in just not analyzing God, but a and that's what I was trying to share with my heart last week, was it has to be a conviction based on the Word of God that you will not only live for, but you will be willing to die for it. And that's what these three men are saying. You know, if it be that we die, we don't care. We're not going to bow down before you. If we live, praise the Lord. But either way, we're not bowing down because we have already prepared in our mind and in our hearts what we believe based on the Word of God. And so the forming of our minds and hearts are already. So he says, Be ready always. It is a soldier that always is armed and ready for the enemy you can't be at sleep and not be ready if you're on watch you gotta be watching waiting armed and ready we are in the army Christians and we are to be ready always so what are we to be ready to do give an answer uh, by the way did you notice how many questions nebuchadnezzar had for the men back in the text He had all kinds of questions and he's saying here you need to be ready when questions come your way about what you believe do you know christians what you believe and why you believe it why do you believe in trinity heaven hell prayer what you believe about christ what you believe about the holy spirit the inspiration of the scriptures we could go on and on about the different major doctrines of sanctification and how God saves us and how he keeps us and guards us. The list goes on about who God is. And, and, and so we have to be ready. And that's why we have discipleship. That's why we have discipleship too. You can go on to shepherd school if you want to. You can go as far as you want. My prayer this week is my, my people will go further in the word of God than I can ever imagine in my mind. Beyond me, praise the Lord. We want you to grow and to grow in more of the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ. Because once it is there, you are prepared. The Barnhart's have needed to go through education to be prepared in order to go. It has to be here, and it has to be a conviction in, in the heart. And then, when they say, why do you believe that? And why do you have these, re- these hopes? He says, you're going to be able to answer every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you, and here is our spirit with meekness, a strength and control, and a fear, a reverence of God, and that we are handling the word of God, and we want to give a right answer, not a selfish answer. It's not about me; it's about God. You what I'm saying? We're giving them hope. You can't get hope from me; you get hope from God. Okay. So back to Daniel. They had to be ready. They had to be ready. They had to be prepared already. And then we see, we see down in verse number 17, we're going to fast forward, we get through the music, and, and, and all those questions that were brought up, and he says, you know, is it true you guys didn't fall down, is it true that you don't believe and serve in my gods, is, is it true? Now here's another question, now listen, listen, I'm going to ask you a question, if it goes again, are you going to be willing to fall down and worship before the image? In verse 17 he says, if it be so, now this is the man answering about the question, what are you going to do? And he says, we don't have to think about it because we're already ready in verse 16. But he says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king, faith. I mean, what else could you put besides that phrase? We believe God. We believe that God can deliver us and we believe, King, he is above you, and so we're not going to bow down before you because God is bigger than you. And we don't fear you, we fear God. We're not fearing a furnace. We fear God. There's a word for the day. Fearing God. Do we really put ourselves in an awe of who he is? Creation will do it. Right, guys that went down to Creation Museum? I mean, it's an awesome thing to see how great and magnificent our God really is. And so that's what they have purposed in their heart to already be, and they are practicing faith. Now look with me to one cross-reference. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and chapter 16 and verse number 9. That's right after 1 Chronicles, if you didn't know where it was at. It's in the Old Testament too, if you didn't know that one. You knew that. I'm just teasing you. Love this. Love this verse. We're seeing a concept at the beginning. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them, notice this, whose heart is perfect toward him. So God is looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and their heart is all about God. They're not fearing the king. They're not going to bow down. And it's like God can't wait for somebody to do that so he can jump in and take care of them and work for them and show his strength for them. And that's what God is looking for in you and I, is a faith that we are trusting in him, period, so that he can come in and do the miraculous things that we cannot do. Folks, God wants to use you. He does not want you to just be used to come in and to dust the pews. He does not want you to just come in and say, I feel good about myself because I threw some money in the offering plate. I feel good about myself because I actually got up and went to church today. Folks, it goes so much beyond that. God actually wants to use you in the lives of people that you are around for you to stand up and to show faith, and secondly, to show obedience, so that they can see Christ inside of you. Verse 18 of Daniel 3. He says, But if not, let it be known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. There's obedience to God. Nor worship the golden image, because Exodus chapter 20 says we're not allowed to do that. So, which thou has set up. So he says, We are not going to disobey our God in fear of you. We are going to stand up and to do what's right. I do not know, Christians, where we're going to be down the road. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what corner that we are going to be pushed in through through the political systems that, that are happening and they are going and, and, and just literally spiraling right now in this direction. But I think that if we need to stand up. And to say, we will not disobey the scriptures in order to please the political uh, laws that we need to be prepared to stand up for God. So if all of a sudden the government says to you, now listen, we're having too many kids, so if you have two kids, you're okay. But if you have a third one, you have to abort that baby, and you have to kill that child, are you going to obey God or man? The answer is, we listen to God, and we don't do it. You know what I mean? Who knows where the system is going to go? We obey God's laws, not man's. God is bigger than government. He owns government. He makes it, raises it up, tears it down. So here's here's the the, the third point. I got to keep moving. So. So they get, sure enough, they have the answer, and he says, fire this thing up seven times, throw these guys in, and as they're throwing them in, the guys that were throwing these three men in ended up dying themselves. You can see that verse 21, 22 area. Uh, and, and then they're bound in verse 23, and they're down flopping into this fire. Don't know exactly how it is, but somehow or another, the king then is able to go over to this fire, seemingly above it, and look down in, and as he is looking down in this furnace that is big enough for not just three, but four, to be down in the fire, and they're walking around. Wouldn't you like to have been hearing that conversation? How you doing? I feel great. Let me smell you. You smell good today. You don't. Let me see that hair of yours. There's not a singe on your hair. Isn't this really cool? Look at this cloth. Look how beautiful it still is in the midst of this fire. And they're walking around down there. And the king goes up and starts looking down. And he starts to question again. The question is, wait a minute. Did we not cast three men bound? How is it that I see four guys loose? absolute opposites of what he was trying to do. And not only did he look down to see consumption, he looked down to see life. See what I need to show you is that God is with us while we walk through the fire. God is not sending you folks to Haiti and saying y'all have fun. You're on your own. God is as real in Haiti as he is Here in the States or wherever in the world we are at, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is omnipresent. He is not like an angel that it can only be at a spot at the time. He is everywhere, knowing everything about you and I. He cares for us, He is there, and is looking to and fro for a time and a place to be able to run to the very defense of you and I. Listen to this psalm. Psalm 91.4 He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. When you are going through it it is as though God wraps His wings of love around you not just to bear you up. In this text it is to protect you and to guard you. Nothing is going to happen to you that God doesn't allow. Amen. Period. And God is in it. And you say, does that mean we're always going to win? Remember Hebrews 11? It said how many were, those lives were lost. But they still had faith. And they couldn't wait for a better resurrection. Better reward one day in that resurrection. Listen to this, Luke 21.8. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. That's a promise from Jesus. The hair, remember how they came out? Hair wasn't even singed. Christ was right there. Paul's down here looking at my hair and saying, that was a joke, wasn't it? No, that wasn't a joke, Paul. That was... That was... God is with us. You say, how is it that God is with us? You know, it would be really awesome if we could hold God's hand while we're going into the problems of life and the trials of life. We're going into the doctor's office and sitting down. uh, Pray for Brother Joe Johnson. He's gone through the problems again. Uh, Some of the tests that that he had just had didn't come back real positive, so now more is going to have to go on. And you know what? God is with you as you go to the doctor, my friend. He is not leaving you And he is not going to forsake you. That's what Hebrews describes. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is there to surround us. You know, you say, what does that mean? There's going to be a comfort inside of our hearts and inside of our minds. The peace that passes all understanding Those things that we have described as a result of prayer in just recent weeks to show you and I how important it is for us to abide with Him, He with us, and the presence of the Spirit of God inside of us for the very purpose of comforting us in the tribulation and the trials that we go through. They will not go away. Folks, I wish I could tell you, you get saved and everything is a bed of roses the rest of your life. It isn't real. We got pains, we got problems, we got cancer, we have heart problems, we still take pills. All those things that we have to go through is a reality. But what I'm saying is our God is not leaving or forsaking us in the midst of those trial, in the midst of the fire. He is there in the midst. His strong arms are around us to protect us from evil, to help us and to give us an ability to glorify God in the fire. That's what they did a glorified God because after this they pulled these men out of the fire he Nebuchadnezzar calls them servants of the most high God in the middle of verse 26 they looked at their their outward their bodies weren't affected their hair was not singed their coats did not change they didn't smell even like fire and it's amazing how he says God sent his angel, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, to come with you and to protect you. And so from that day forward, he says, nobody's allowed to make fun of that God. That's what we're about. That's why we go through these trials. Is to glorify God in our lives. Paul said in Galatians, and they glorified God in me. Because they, as they watched Paul's life and what he was going through with prison ministries, being beat up, all those things that he went through, they looked and said, God, you are awesome to have done this and to sustain him through this all. And so the attention is not on you and I. The attention went beyond Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It went to the one they were talking about and believing in and giving an answer about. My God is able to do this. But if he doesn't even save me, I want you to know, we're not falling down before your idols. And they took a stand and they became a witness and God used them. Uh, There will be times in your life, and I'm sure many of us as Christians could even stand up one by one and talk about times when we had to stand up for Christ being opposed. Maybe not to this extent, but it may be at work. It may be amongst family. I know when, when Lori and I, we were called ministry, you would say you would think that all the family would be standing up and cheering and saying, oh, this is the greatest thing. And it's like, no, they didn't want it. They didn't want us to be here. They didn't want us to move. They didn't want us to go to Bible college and become you know Jesus freaks. You know, they don't want that. They want us just to be nice, moral people. How to, you know, went through life simple and, you know, go have beer once in a while and go enjoy life, you know. And yeah, you go to church once in a while, but yeah, you go at Christmas and Easter and, you know, you, you're moral and have, just be good old boys. And we're like, that's not enough. That is not enough. We wanted to become servants of Christ. And we had to stand up to family it changed those we were around at work, etc. And when you stand up for Christ, you will be laughed at. You will be mocked. They will not like you. But don't worry. God didn't leave you there to handle it alone. He goes through the fire with you to comfort you, to put his feathers of love around you. Aren't feathers awesome? Feathers are so comforting. And that's what he's trying to say. It's soft. It's tender. It's in his care. To a picture by the way of the Holy Spirit of God who Jesus Christ said is more expedient to you for you that I go. Because if I don't go, I will not be sending the comforter. And that's exactly who he is. Our comforter. Soft. Helping us through the problems. Father, bless, use your word, and we will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.